Hi, I'm Arthur Darville. I was in the Power of Three. I'm not in this Power of Three. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Three podcast. We are three lifelong Doctor Who fans who like to celebrate, enjoy, criticise and look at Doctor Who in all its forms, whether it's books, magazines, audio dramas, action figures. Television. That kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do television occasionally. Remember What's television, guys? Anyway. We should do that. It'd be I'm, good to talk about some TV stories once or twice. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm your host for today, but I'm not on my own because I'm joined by... On my left here, it is Mr. Tom Harris. Say hello, Tom Harris. Greetings, listeners. And also here with us is David Steele. Hello, David. Hello, Kenny. Hello, Tom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Yes, this is a very special occasion because, as you'll have heard at our intro there, we had a very special guest to introduce this episode, was Mr. Arthur Darville, because it's a very special episode today. As I said, it's our 50th edition, guys. Hooray! Fantastic. Never, never thought we'd get this far, to be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> we always thought that uh, with you being our war doctor, Tom, and being Captain Grumpy, that somehow the powers that be would have axed this, but we've relentlessly kept going. I'm not bloody grumpy. Of course you're not. So tell us about season 24 and Time in the Rani. <laughs> don't even start. Just don't even start. No, we'll see all that. Let's not spoil the 50th okay. episode by talking about that. But since you ask, honest to God. I mean, <laughs> I know what he's going to say. Well, right, listen, listen, I've bored everyone with my views on season 24 before. This is a special episode. It'll be 50 episodes. It's, it's pretty, uh, that's kind of impressive. Ma- many <laughs> podcasts, I would assume, will have died a death long before the 50th episode, but we've kept going, Con, you know, despite public public demand. <laughs> that, that old joke from the um i think it was who was it said it um the guy on stage on the piano i've had a lot of requests but i'm going to keep going yeah that's right <laughs> that's good tom of course this uh, podcast all came about because of yourself and myself having dinner one night in glasgow is it oh god um yeah it's a long such a long time ago i mean i i kind of re, you know over the years i i've kind of rediscovered my love of Doctor Who so it's not for me it's not been a constant activity you know I didn't I didn't buy the new adventures for instance in the in the early 90s and I, I didn't buy the missing adventures I kind of caught up with them later on so when basically Doctor Who was off screen I I, I so was I you know I wasn't really into it that much uh, in between times but I kind of got a new zeal a few years ago when I started buying The Complete History and did my watch through. And that's when I, th- I thought, what's missing from my life is a podcast. And for me, it was just an opportunity because I can't talk to Carolyn or anyone in my family about Doctor Who, although the boys, granted, are into into New Who. But I wanted to talk about Classic Who as well. And Carolyn wasn't up for that for obvious reasons, you know, because she has a life. And I thought, right, I need to get I just wanted. I just wanted to have a discussion about it. I just wanted to. You know what it's like. It doesn't matter what the subject is. If you're interested in something that not many people you know are into, you just want to talk to other people about it. And uh, and that's where you came in, Kenny. Yeah, it was. It was just by chance because we were just sitting having dinner in uh, in a very posh hotel. Well, in fact, the restaurant of a very posh hotel, the Blytheswood, and you raised it, and then you pitched the format and thought this is really good. Three Doctor Who fans talking about three things. In each episode and that's where Dave came in because I've known Dave for quite a long time and thought he would be quite a, a good person to talk and the fact that he's local to you as well was a bonus for swapping materials when required. And I had never met David before. No, no. Although we, we probably we had, a, we had a few other acquaintances in common as we've since learned which is quite nice because it's all a big village really isn't it? Well apart from Kenny. Yeah. Because um, we both knew Nori, what's his face from Paisley? And oh, Jesus, yes. Yeah, so my do. family knew Gordon McMaskell's family and all that right, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it all, all straightened out. Scotland's um, a very small place. I've really enjoyed doing the podcast because my, my doctor interest has been very up and down in, um, in recent years. Um, so it's it's nice to have something to kind of make me focus on and pay attention to it and think about what I like about it. So I'm, I'm glad that we're doing it. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So for this episode, we're going to do something 
a little special. Today we're going to be marooned on a space station, hopefully not being attacked by Daleks, Cybermen or Wirren or anything like that. Oh my God, can you imagine it was the Wirren? That would be horrible. Why haven't the Wirren ever come back? I don't know. Maybe they get stung. They were a cracking monster. You'd think they would have made a reappearance in the new Who. Big Finish have done them, haven't they, Kenny? Yes, Big Finish have done them a couple of times, but yes, it's an obvious TV monster that hasn't been done again. And think how good they would look. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a thought. Yeah. Well, anyway, here we are on our deserted space station. So what we're going to do today, gents, is we're going to pick our desert island docks stories. We're going to have one classic story, a new series story, one classic series full season box set, one new series full season box set, a Doctor Who novel, a Doctor Who factual book, and one Doctor Who luxury item, which is a fairly easy task I would have thought to pick. I, I think <laughs> not. It took it took a, it took oh to me minutes to decide what mine would be. Right. Minutes. Yep. We'll start with um, a classic story then, Dave. Which would you? Which would be your classic story? Well, they've already touched on season twenty-four, so obviously my favourite. Doctor Who story overall. It's a classic Doctor Who story from season 24. I'm bringing Delta and the Bannermen. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> thank God I'm not... Dave, why thank, would you God, thank, thank God I'm trapped on a different space station from you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all trapped in our own individual linked to orbiting um, space stations. Yeah, well, I can boil it all down. It's, it, it's an exciting, fast-paced story with an amazing cast. It is a a moral and strong and brave doctor it is a clear defined threat a strong scary baddie and who's the baddie john nathan turner <laughs> it's don henderson isn't it <laughs> you know it's it's classic you know classic maybe not in the term that most of what we use but it's, it's i did my big watch through many years ago now and i was i was as surprised as anyone when i got to delta and the bannermen and thought this is my favorite doctor who story so yeah <laughs> Tom, which which one would you pick? I am aghast. Let me just tell you. I I, I think well, Dave has has picked. I think probably his doctor. What well, adventure from his doctor? We all have our own doctor. So my doctor is John Pertwee, and there are so many just overwhelmingly brilliant adventures from all of his seasons. If I had to pick one, I mean, I, I'm bored with picking Spare from Space every time. I did a, uh, I should make, give a, an honorary mention to uh, a guy called Will Barber Taylor, who does the Debated podcast. And he interviewed me about my other political podcast that I do, The Imposter. But while, after he finished interviewing me, he, he revealed that he used to do a Doctor Who podcast called uh, Desert Island Who? where uh, guests were invited to take eight of their classic adventures to the island. Uh, So we should perhaps just acknowledge that what we're doing today isn't the most original thing uh, uh, and and Will did it beforehand. And I I picked Spear from Space as two of my eight just because I love it so much. But I'm not going to bore people with that one again, so I'm going to pick one that's slightly different. But from the same era, I'm going to pick The Demons. Um, Partly because when I saw it on when, when its first broadcast, it scared the hell out of me. And my uh, the the, episode, the end of episode four, I think it is, when Azal emerges and turns huge. I remember being, I have a very vivid memory of being in the family car shortly after that and my two big brothers teasing me uh, about this demon and telling me that when I died, I would go to hell. And, oh my goodness. Uh, I know, that's how dark my childhood was. He's, <laughs> And uh, and that uh, Azal was the devil. He was the one that would torment me forever after I died. And I remember bursting into tears. I was just sh- scared shitless. I really was. But everything about that show, about the, you know, there's so many great iconic moments and, and set pieces. And I love the bit where the brigadier takes out his stick and points in the distance, and the end of his stick explodes because there's a, a heat barrier. Very John Wyndham-ish. Mm. Um, and uh, of course, recently we were talking about Night of the Demon, and, and when Kenny mentioned that there's, you know, a lot of inspiration in Night of the Demon for the demons, and and he's absolutely right. I, I expect that there was a lot of of uh, stuff in it that came from that, and it's just it's just lovely. All the characters are brilliant. I think Roger Delgado was never better as the master. 
you know, we've got the helicopter explosion, which is taken from an outtake for uh, from Rush with Love. So there's a great Bond connection there. And I, the script is wonderful. It, it's just brilliant. It's, I think it's probably the best of, of Pertwee's uh, tenure. Nice. Interesting. What's yours, Kenny? For me, it would have to be City of Death. I absolutely loved it when I saw it when I was wee. I thought it was really funny then. And then coming back to it years later, discovered it on a very much a, a Wobble Vision VHS copy where you could probably catch like one word in three and the picture kept breaking up. But for me, it was just, it's so witty, it's so fast, it's so funny. Tom and Lala are just on top of their game. They're just magnificent to watch. And it's so much fun, wit, and just, I mean, should we take the stairs or fly? And, and it's just... It's, for me, it's just perfect Doctor Who. It's got a silly monster with a ridiculous plan. I mean, even, you know, episode one cliffhanger, you watch it now, but when I was five, watching that, when Scaroth takes off the mask, that was the most terrifying thing in the world. Spaghetti monster with one big eye. Yeah, I mean, yes, it looks it looks rather disappointing now, but for me, it's got to be City of Death all the way. You could watch it all day, every day. That's fair. Quality. So moving on. We're going to pick a new series story each. Now, Tom, which new series story would you go for? That's uh, a good and difficult question. I, I would go for the Pandorica Opens. I mean, I think for a lot of people, uh, Stephen Moffat's first season was a disappointment. And that's partly because such great things were expected of him, given what he'd written for the show up until then. And I think everyone expected every episode to be of the same quality as Blink and uh, the girl in the fireplace and the doctor dances etc I, I think season 11 was was good but I think the Pandorica opens especially its cliffhanger was just some of the best television not just the best who I think it was some of the best television I've seen in recent years and I say recent years I mean it's, it's 10 years old now um, but yeah I, I think that was superb I think I mean I've said this before I think Matt Smith was magnetic in every scene he ever played as the Doctor um, and I think that was a brilliant casting decision by Moffat uh, but the Pandorica opens slightly ruined I think by the the next episode and the kind of the way it resolved the the jeopardy of the Doctor being locked for eternity in this in this box but you know, ignoring that, I think it was brilliant. Great choice, Tom. I think that's a fantastic one. I think there's so much in that episode. It's layered. It's got a lot of subtleties in it. And it's, and as you say, brilliant, brilliant cliffhanger because it's one of those, how the hell are they going to get out of that one? Love it. What would your choice be, Kenny? Well, there's several candidates. There's so many, you know, obvious ones like Blink, Girl in the Fireplace, you know, the obvious ones to go with. But I am going to pick one that, that probably might surprise you I'm going to go for Mummy on the Orient Express Good one. I absolutely love this one I think it's very clever you've got Capaldi on top of his game, he's less I know that a lot of people have a lot of problems with his slightly more sarcastic, older, grumpier Scottish doctor, some might say Stephen Moffat personified I wouldn't, I like both but for me, I just think it's a great episode I could just watch it over and over and over again, you've got the tension of like what on earth is going on here you've got the build-up with the mummy you've got the fact you've got the countdown you're thinking how long are the glass can they beat it why is there a countdown and you've got the doctor just i think capaldi and coleman are just blisteringly good in this so much fun i i just i find it so hard not to love this one because i was this is one of two episodes that on first transmission i've actually watched again because i enjoyed it so much Really, yeah. really like this one. Yeah, good choice. What were you doing? It's the only episode that I've ever watched whilst drunk on post transmission. It's weird. I'm, I'm going to be very tactful and say nothing because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, a lot of my, I, have, I have an awful lot of criticisms which I've probably verbalised in the past, and I don't want to puncture the spirit of the celebratory episode. I'm not going to be cruel to Kenny, and I'm not going to say what I think of that episode because it wouldn't be fair. No, because you're wrong. My, my well, opinions, you know, we all have our opinions, you know, and I've articulated my problems with with um with that era many times. So I won't do it again. I'm going to be really, really, really obvious with my pick. You know, we're we're trapped in a spaceship, right, or a space station. We don't know how long we're going to be on this space station. So I, my pick is the the ultimate slice of comfort, Doctor Who, and I I chose Day of the Doctor, Day of yeah. the Doctor, the anniversary story, because you know as much as I have issues with a lot of what Mister Moffat did on Doctor Who. I couldn't fault him for anything he did with the 50th anniversary. Day of the Doctor on TV was terrific. 
so much fun watching David Tennant and Matt Smith together. DT probably the best ever performance from a returning doctor. John Hart, you know, coming in at last minute, replacing Eccleston is just terrific. Does far better than he ever really probably even had to. There's lots of funny stuff with the Zygons and so much, you know, fanboy continuity stuff. And of course, you know, no sir, all 13 when the aforementioned Peter Capaldi makes his debut with just his eyebrows. It's, it's great. I haven't watched it for a while. It's, it's now become one that I sort of savour for if, if I need cheering up. If we're going to be stuck in a space station for a while, I'd probably watch it a few times. Lovely. Good choice. Hard to argue with that. It's one of those feel-good ones. I've watched it recently because uh, I've got a 3D cool. TV and I've got the 3D Blu-ray and I love it to bits. Great choice. So next, we're going to go and pick a classic series full season box set and we're allowed to play here with episodes we can go for pretend they've all been animated and reconstructed should you so choose Dave we'll start with you which full season from the classic era would you go for well Kenny I wouldn't be surprised if we've all ended up going for this one actually I would pick season 14 Tom Baker's third series it's you know the absolute peak of the the Hinchcliffe Robert Holmes Doctor Who aesthetic Tom fully coming into his stride knows exactly what he's doing. You get stories like Talons of Wen Chiang and Robots of Death and Deadly Assassin that are all absolutely amazing. And even the slightly lesser ones like Face of Evil and Hand of Fear and Mask of Mandragora, they all have a ton to recommend them. And of course, there's all, you know, if we're allowed the box set, there's all the bonus features as well. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it'd be season 14. I think we've probably talked at length about the, these stories before, so there's not really too much to add. It's just, it's the Doctor Who stories that I first remember from when I was a little boy. And I still think they're excellent. Yeah. Tom, where would you go? I would probably go for uh, season 13, actually, because for me that is when Baker really did become the Doctor. And I love Gothic, I love Hammer Gothic, and I think apart from maybe um, Invasion of the, uh, the Android Invasion, apart from that one, which is still great, I think that all the other stories on that, that box set, which hasn't been released yet, are just just superb and I mean you know Pyramids of Mars Brain of Morbius Seeds of Doom, Doom. yeah it's all I mean, good isn't it they are just you know I, I think that's when Doctor Who peaked actually I mean I agree with with uh, Davy's choice of the next season because Talons of Wang Chang happens to be my favourite Tom Baker one but I think for a strength of across a whole season I think it's very difficult to beat season 13 absolutely agree <laughs> I was thinking about those two, but ultimately I've actually gone back and gone for season two, which right, I know okay. is slightly, perhaps slightly more, not perhaps would be expected, because I really did think between 12, 13, 14, 17, and Davison's last season, 21, as I watched that avidly, that was sort of, as a fan, that was, sort of, was a rabid fan by that point. But I've gone for season two because a, there's absolutely tons of episodes in there, so there'll be plenty to watch. And there's a whole host of great stories in there, so much imagination. We've got, you know, we open with something like Planet of Giants, which has got an awful lot of strange moments to it. It's quite quirky and offbeat. Daleks invading Earth. We've got the departure of Susan, the arrival of Vicky and good old Cocky Licken. The Romans, which is just so much fun. You know, and it just goes on with, and it ends brilliantly with the Time Meddler, which I just love. I think it's one of the funniest Doctor Who stories ever. A great performance from Peter Butterworth as the monk, who was always a favourite of mine from Carry On Films. Yeah, that I would have to go for season two. Yeah, good choice. Strong choice. Yeah, good. What about a new series box set, Tom? Where would you go? I would go with season four, David Tennant's last season. Because I, I remember writing about this at the time in a blog that I ran, and that you know, by then people had got used to Doctor Who, the excitement had died down from the relaunch, and uh, you know, audience figures had started to go down just a little bit. Although for the season finale of season four, it was at an all-time high. And I think, I remember at the time thinking that fans especially had to take a step back and look what was actually being produced on screen. With Catherine Tate as the, the companion and, and Tennant just being so natural in the role and some of the best writing we've had in, in that season, there were some really, really brilliant moments. And... Uh, I mean, you know, Davros turning up at the end and some some great science fiction concepts. But Catherine Tate was the star of it for me because she's she just surprised so many people by being brilliant as as the companion. And she, you know, she and Tennant had a great rapport on screen. And I just think that of of all of those earlier, you know, of the relaunch season, I think season four was the most confident, and therefore it was the most uh, the strongest. 
So if I had to watch one again, that's that's what I would do. I'd pick that one. I think that's a great choice. Consistently strong, and I think it's even got the best run of stories, most consistently good run of stories that starts with the unicorn and the wasp, and it just carries on. Yeah, there yeah. For the rest of the season, they are all no stories less than an eight out of ten for me. Yeah. So yes, cannot fault that. Dave, where are you heading? I also picked season four of the new, the new revived series. Uh, I now have to try and think of something different to say. Tom <laughs> said, "For me, it's, it's again, it's um, it's Doctor Who, and it's an and it's Doctor Who in its imperial phase. You know, it's come back. It's been a, success, a consistent success for a few years. They're confident enough to cast Catherine Tate, who's at that point primarily known as a you know a sketch comedy, com, you know, actor, actress, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they they have the faith in the program, the faith in her that, that she can pull it off." David Tennant just inhabits it completely. You know, you watch the the Poison Sky, the Santarin, epi- you know, the Santarin episodes, and he is just we've we've used the phrase already. I think today, on top of his game, he just he could do it in his sleep at that point. But there's no not a hint of it being phoned in or lazy or even habit for him. He's still giving it his all. Martha Jones comes back, which was a lovely bonus. It's not the most popular amongst a lot of people, but the, you know, the Doctor's Daughter is one of my favourites from that from that um that series. I liked how. Martha and you know the, I like the idea of the previous companion coming back and team, teaming up the current companion. It was something that Ken and I talked about when we were recording another episode, which I'm not sure when it's going to come out. The idea of maybe you know if if Liz Shaw had come back and teamed up with Joe Grant, for example. And as Tom said, you know there's the the, the All Star. It did Avengers Infinity War before Avengers Infinity War did it when everyone from Torchwood and the Sam and Jane Adventures and most of what we've had in Doctor Who already since it came back all teamed up at the end and it was glorious I remember the anticipation after the stolen earth with that cliffhanger up and the Doctor being shot and you know even walking through Central Station and seeing something about it on the, the news thingy on the, on the on the big screen you know it was such a big deal so yeah it would be season 4 because it's just it's a lot of fun and I'm not even going to make I'm not even going to make a snide comment about two episodes that would skip near the end <laughs> what would your pick be Kenny? Well, for me, there are three seasons that are... But no, I'll change that. We'll make that. There are four seasons that are really strong contenders for this. Okay. Season four, as you said. Season five, Matt's first season. Because it's for me, it's so good. Again, it's, it's a consistently strong one throughout. Uh, Stephen puts his mark in the show, but carries on with a bit of... Uh, still a bit of the Russell T uh, footprint in there as well. I mean, for me, the ones, the seasons that are strongest are the ones where I've had a bit of time to prepare for them, apart from season four. Season five, season 10, Capaldi's last season, which I think is great, it's so strong. But for me, it's got to be season one with Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper. I think there's just such a renewed enthusiasm. The show is absolutely bursting with energy. It's got Russell T. Davis all over it. There's silly jokes to appeal to the kids not just burping wheelie bins, we've got farting, Slodeen, silly things that, showing that Doctor Who isn't serious science fiction, it's something that, that can have a laugh and you can have a laugh with it. There's some great stuff in there, the fact that the Doctor and Rose build up such a strong relationship. Eccleston is just the Doctor from the word go, there's no doubting that this is the same guy who we saw in Talons of Wang Chiang, Caves of Androzani or anything else like that, he's very much continuing in the same vein. So for me, it's series one. Good, good. Right, gentlemen, it's time to pick your Doctor Who novel. You can have one Doctor Who novel. It can be a novel target book or it can be an original Doctor Who publication. Tom. Well, um, I'm going to cheat and name two. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to name my my all time favourite from the original target range, uh, and it, it should be a Turnstix one. I know that, and I feel I feel guilty at not choosing a Turnstix one, but. I think The Cave Monsters uh, is just a wonderful book. Uh, the age that I read it, I only had very dim memories of the actual television adventure. And what I love about it, and, and Malcolm Hulk is a, is a good writer, and he adds an awful lot more colour to it. And wonderfully, the illustrations that you got in the first uh, round of Target books, which 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 you didn't get later on in the Target range, and the, the, the illustrations include this great 3D shot a picture of the laboratory underneath the, the you know uh, underground laboratory and where the reactor was and it, it was just a great thing to have in a novel and the, the writing is brilliant there are some lines in the book that are not in the television series which disappointed me there's a great line about when the doctor asks Liz you know what would you do if you went asleep if you fell asleep and you woke up and your house was covered in rats what how would you react and she said well I would 
poison them all and put out traps. And he says, well, that's what the Silurians are doing now. Yeah. And I thought that was such a great line. And then when I watched it, the DVD and realised that was not a line in the in the television series, I was a bit disappointed. So it's one of those occasions where I think the book actually, and because also the book gives names to the individual Silurians, which the, the, you know the TV series doesn't. So I I, I just think it's it's a great one. I read it again actually recently for the it's one of the few original Target novels that I I sometimes revisit, and it is it's just a great novel. I think if you're a kid and you're not into books and you pick up that, you're you're a lucky kid because that will get you reading much more stuff. So I, I love it. But you said you were going to pick two, Tom, and you're going to cheat because it's the 50th episode. Oh, yes, episode. you're right. We'll Sorry, you I forgot about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> the last Target novel I actually read was one of the new range, and it was Stephen Moffat's uh, The Day of the Doctor, which is so brilliant because it's you know it's, it's written by Stephen, so you get an awful lot more in the novel than you do in the in the actual um, show. And it's it's full of you know I think every alternate chapter is full of stuff that's not no nothing to do with the television series brilliantly written, really witty and I, I was reading it, I remember I was I, the family and I were on a city trip to London and I had taken it with me and I was reading it on the train and reading it in the hotel and I got a text from Stephen saying I'm reading your book 10 years in the death of the Labour Party and really enjoying it and I texted back saying I'm reading your book and I'm really enjoying it and, and it was just a kind of a nice little coincidence so that's so I think the other day it's superb Did you enjoy chapter 9? I thought that was the best uh, Now from me, it was some time ago. I take it chapter nine is the one that doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah. Dave, what about you? Where are you heading? My, my pick is another novelisation of another John Pertwee story. I've gone for Day of the Daleks. Oh yes. Um, this is my battered copy. I'm holding up. This is great, great radio. Holding up my copy. You can probably see where I, gentlemen, you might see there for um, I wrote my name at a very early age. <laughs> my handwriting has improved slightly since. It told me made the point there about how the the early Pertwee novelizations had so much extra detail that really, what's the word, embellished what we got on, on TV. Because was, I was one of those people that when I saw the first few Pertwee stories that I saw, I couldn't help but feel, find them a little bit disappointing because the books have been so much better. You know, they, they take the basic bones and give them a polish. And I have very, very fond memories of Day of the Daleks. I mean, I read this book dozens of times. It's one of the few that I still have. I mean, I have a full set of paperbacks, but I have very few of the, the ones that I had Left um, from when, when I was, you know, when I was a little boy and first buying them. Um, this is one of one of the only ones actually. I'll probably be buried with it, and I've really, really fond memories. Tom mentioned a, a line of dialogue that um, from the book that wasn't in the TV version. And there's a scene that I always remember when Joe is with the controller of the Future Time Zone area, and you know he's prepared some food for her or supplied some food. And on the light on on the TV episode, you know, Joe says that was a fabulous meal. And the controller says, or oh, just a light snack, nothing more. But in the book, Terence adds the little detail of Joe reflecting on how the food had been almost tasteless rather than the sort of delight that Katie plays it in. I remember, always remember that as adding just a little bit of extra context to what things were like in the future, how bad they were. And also the book has the scene which they didn't, they, they didn't have time to film or had to cut for whatever reasons at the end of the story when um, we see the Doctor and Joe from the other side coming back to the laboratory and seeing their duplicate inside the laboratory. And that makes it feel a lot more cohesive and a lot more coherent. So, I mean, um, if I could cheat, I'd probably take the first six or seven Pertwee novelizations with me. But if I can only pick one, it'll be Day of the Daleks. Can I ask, Dave, um, is that edition of yours, does it still have the illustrations in it? Yeah, uh-huh, it does. Ah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, um, let's have a look. Because it's obviously not a first edition because it's got the... No, because I've got the first edition here, which is a um, different masthead. You know, it's, it's not the curved one. I, this is um fifth impression, nineteen eighty. Yeah. And then um and then soon afterwards, of course, it, it got reprinted with with a new cover. Because you get these. I loved this sort of thing. Yeah. Just yeah. that is a brilliant illustration of the Doctor being interrogated with the second Doctor's image uh-huh. uh, on the screen, which of course is a big moment in the television series. Absolutely, it's, it's a huge moment because it's the first time that there's ever been a. A full proper visual representation of either the, the other actors that played the Doctor it's huge yeah. and this this is the only story where unit meet the Daleks it should be shouted out it should be shouted about from the rooftops because of that you know, yeah. you're such a, a core part of the series in the early 70s and this is the, the time they fight met the Daleks it's tremendous there's another one of the illustrations there I'll yeah. sit, maybe stick up on the on the Facebook so people can see what we're talking about you, you can yeah, see yeah. that yeah that's um yeah the day the Daleks from me all the way what about you Ken what would yours be 
Well, I hummed and had about this for quite a while because I was thinking some great target novels there. There's obviously there's Doctor Who and the Auton Invasion, The Five Doctors, which I read before it had been on TV. Oh, and I got did. it in Asda. Oh, no. But ultimately, I decided to go for something slightly more different. I decided to go for a new adventure. I decided to go with the very last new adventure, The Dying Days, which is the only eighth Doctor novel from Virgin Books. So it's the Doctor and Bernice Summerfield battling the Ice Warriors in 1997. It's quite an epic one. It's It's got a very subtle invasion where you've got Martians being installed as the rulers of Great Britain. And it's very clearly, and it's very clear why they've gone for Britain only, not Europe or America or anything like that. And the rest of the world dust their hands of it and to say, no, this is your problem, Britain. You created it. <laughs> and it's got an awful lot of wit and humour to it. There's so many... Sort of references there's it's very much a 90s book and if you're a fan of 90s pop culture at the time you'll spot things like uh, a wee old lady who was popping up in some tv shows that was in the friday night armistice wasn't it that's right that's the one but yeah there's like there's references i think mold i think um david duchovny and Julie anderson show up or is it Mulder and scully but it's just generally it's so well written it's so well structured the doctor disappears for a part of it and, and then when he returns it's an absolutely glorious moment where he's falling from the sky and all he's got with him are a whole host of bin bags and he manages to fashion a free fall parachute type thing out of a host of bin bags to break his fall and he lands safely and think it's perfect it's fast and it's funny and I would hugely recommend it if you can find it or in fact the ebooks on the BBC website so I would recommend that one hugely okay what's next next we're going to pick our Doctor Who factual book which one would you pick Dave well I knew what my pick would be instantly I chose the Doctor Who file now, the Doctor Who file is one of the large format Doctor Who books that was sort of churned out in the 80s by W.H. Allen and, you know, written by Peter Haining, who wrote Doctor Who A Celebration, which was, you know, which we all got for Christmas in 1983 or 1984. And the Doctor Who file, I've got the paperback over it, let's see when it was originally published. Finally came out in 1986. And what's special about this one is that it's a whole collection of pieces written by people who either appeared on the programme or who wrote for the programme. And it's, it's almost like... It's the perfect sort of coffee table book. It's great for dipping into. You can pick a writer or an actor, whoever, and just take a little look at what they have to say. My favourite piece in it is one by Robert Holmes, which, um, if I can find it, I will read out a little segment of it. Pieces called Life of Hammer and Tongs, you know that much. Because one really good thing with this book is that it has, you know, because there's so many voices contributing, you get a real sense of all the different personalities. I want to read a little segment from Robert Holmes' one. I once dropped a coal hod containing half a hundredweight of furnacite on my foot. As the steel rim splintered into the metatarsal that controls my big toe, I remember thinking, good gracious, that's funny. Later that day, I was talking to Louis Marx, a valued throw-in frequent writer for Doctor Who. I mentioned the appalling agony I was suffering, and Louis, who as a doctor, took immediate clinical control. Take a needle and a pair of pliers, he advised, and heat it until it's incandescent, then drive it through the toenail. Louis is one of the funnest chaps I know, as well as being a doctor of philosophy. And there's a really good bit when he talks about Colin Baker and Patrick Trout having fun with the script for the two doctors. And there's a really good bit about um, how Terence Dix convinces him of a different way to eat fish and chips. You get a great sense of Robert Holmes and what he's like. And there's lots of little other pieces by other people all the way through. There's one from Barry Letts that some of the doctors wrote for it, David Whittaker. You know, there's a couple together from his one of his old interviews. It's fascinating. Yeah, and it probably doesn't get talked about as much as it should do, really. Interesting, because of all the Peter Herring books, that's not the one I would have expected, but great choice. Great choice. Tom, where have you gone? Um, oh, there's, there was a number of, of these books competing. Uh, I mean, I was going to pick the Doctor Who Vault, which is wonderful if you're into nostalgia of what was available in the shops in the you know, 1970s and since. But what has caught my attention and a book that I just love not just because it's about Doctor Who, but it's about the process of writing for television is uh, The Writer's Tale by Russell T. Davis and Benjamin Cook. And I think as a kind of almost like a diary of Russell T. Davis's last year in the job, it is fascinating. I mean, every page is full of nuggets of, of insider stories and techniques for writing. And, you know, Davis has obviously gone on to other things since writing Doctor Who. Um, I just finished watching It's a Sin, actually, last night. And by the end of it, I was, I, was, I, do, I rarely cry 
but last night I was in tears at the last episode of It's a, it, it, it's a Sin and it just reminded me of just what a powerful writer he actually is and reading the writer's tale is, is a brilliant insight if, if you're you know it's, it's, if you're interested in Doctor Who that's great it'll be fascinating if you're interested in the process of how you write for television it's just invaluable and it's a brilliant brilliant book Creed I've actually got it three times I've got the original edition that came out in hardback I've got the paperback and I've also got the limited edition hardback which was signed by Russell and Ben which was given to me as a present by a colleague at work who had it and didn't want it anymore when he was moving out of his mum and dad's house so do you have a favourite book uh, Kenny? Well, you know me, you know that I love my trivia and I love my minutiae and how everything comes together. So having considered things like Doctor Who from A to Z, Doctor Who Regeneration by Gary Russell, The Writer's Tale and things like that, I ultimately decided to go for something. Now, Tom, you were a bit naughty and you picked two books, so I'm going to pick one book in 90 parts. I'm going to go for the (laughs) Doctor Who Making of Collection from Panini. It's just absolutely perfect from start to finish. Doctor Who, A Complete History, yeah. which is just the book <laughs> I love the most. I pick these things up all the time, read short bits from it. You'll read about a story if I've watched it on TV. And just I just love to fill myself with so much trivia and learn all about everything, when it was recorded, what dates and where. So yes, I'm a great big cheater cheater, great big pie eater, but hey, I don't care. <laughs> great, good choice. Awesome, not bad. Gentlemen. Our final item now to choose is our luxury Doctor Who item. It doesn't have to be a pair of Doctor Who underpants from Marks and Spencers, of course. So, Tom, where are you going to go? The item I'm going to take isn't very of any practical use at all, given my exile aboard the space station. But one of my most prized possession uh, of Doctor Who is one of the privileges of being an MP is that the post office, the MP's post office, which, believe it or not, doesn't exist anymore but it was a post office that was for the exclusive use of MPs just uh, just off members lobby and I don't collect stamps but on occasion when they were producing a new set of stamps you could ask the post office to hold on to first day covers for you so I got the 50th anniversary stamps with all the doctors up to that point post stamped with the House of Commons and got it framed and they're on. They're in my study at the moment, and it's a lovely keepsake. It's just brilliant. And and when I say it's priceless, I don't mean it's worth a lot of money. I just means it can't be replicated. It's it's, it's of you know there must be relatively few of them around with that particular stamp. So and I like looking at them because you know they're pretty, nice artwork, and uh, they just give me a nice feeling about that particular time in my life when the show was reaching fifty. Awesome. Dave, where are you going with yours? I thought about taking my, my Dimensions in Time Radio Times signed by the five Doctor actors on the cover. But I thought, you know, the novelty of that would wear off. So I'm going to cheat. I'm going to take my, my Big Finish account with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take my Big Finish account with me, probably on my phone or my or my login details, and maybe I can use it on the Space Station Nervo computer and play them through all those massive Space Station speakers that we're going to have. Um, yeah, I would, I would take my entire Big Finish account which has been absolutely chocker. And the first story I'd listen to would probably be Curse of Davros followed by We Are the Dalek. That is a great choice. I had not thought of that. I'm surprised. (laughs) What's yours then? I had um, two options to take with me. Number one would be my Sylvester McCoy question mark umbrella, just so I could have something to do and just sort of weave it around and point stuff at. But ultimately... Well, it'd be handy if, the, if, the, if, 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 if your space station has a balcony over which there's a death-defying leap, and if you happen to accidentally climb over the, the barrier and you could use the, the umbrella then to hang pointlessly to your death, so that, that'd be quite useful. Yeah. Genius, well, Tom. I hadn't thought of that. You could but use I didn't it take if the women invade, you could use it to swat them away. That'd be quite good. That's true. But no, I decided to go with something far more useless in the end. I decided that I'd quite like to take with me uh, character options, Matt Smith sonic screwdriver replica, just so I can walk around and point <laughs> it at things and pop it open and close it and then just zap other things because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> useless, but childish. A bit like me, what really. You know, as I always say, whatever gets you through the night. Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that the last category, Kenny? 
That is the last category, Tom. Because I was going to make a suggestion. It's, 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 an, it's a dishonourable um, suggestion, and it's one that doesn't fit with the jovial, optimistic outlook of this podcast. But I was going to suggest we should all nominate one adventure to put in the airlock. All right, let's do it quickly. Right, okay. It doesn't need to be said. Time in the Rani. Oh, that's an interesting one. Dave, what are you going to jettison forever? I would choose Last Christmas. <gasps> I'm going to choose one episode so that it never has to be seen again because then if I jettison twice upon a time then it means that Peter Capaldi is the Doctor forever. That is a very sound choice, my friend. So there we go. Gentlemen, I have thoroughly enjoyed our little happy celebration this afternoon or this evening or this morning depending on when you're all listening. I hope you have too. Yes, great fun, great fun. Definitely. Yes, definitely. So here's to the next 50 episodes. We'll need to find out... uh, how we're going to get back to Earth in time for episode 51. Yeah, we'll have to think of something. We'll have to do something special for the 100th episode. It's obvious what we do for the 100th episode. We watch and review the, the Doctor episode that our podcast is named after. Let's do it. <laughs> something do we, to have, do, do, do we have to? <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Power of Three. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Power of Three pod visit our facebook page and you can catch up on all the old episodes at our website powerof3pod.com so from me tom harris goodbye until next time davy say goodbye yep goodbye everyone take care check out the earth 2 podcast and the imposter podcast if you can we will see you next time kenny say goodbye to the ladies and gentlemen thanks for listening everybody and we will be back very soon with an episode that is the second half of our look at the bbc books Bye.